0: Hey guys, before we start today's show, we want to ask you a favor. Everyone at Sports Illustrated values our listeners. Open Floor is the number one podcast at SI, no big deal. But more importantly, we want to hear from you. So we're asking all of our listeners to take five minutes to help us with a survey we're running. The survey will help us improve our existing shows and better serve you guys as listeners. So if you could take a few minutes out of your day and give us some feedback, we would greatly appreciate it. You can find the survey at si.com slash openfloorsurvey. That's si.com slash openfloorsurvey. And thanks, as always, for listening. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp. And on the other line, live in Los Angeles from the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. What's up, man?
1: Not too much, Andrew. How does it feel to get a fully accurate view, a nice look at the actual standing of your Washington Wizards around the NBA? Now, you guys are not going to be involved in a blockbuster trade. You're not going to be forming a super team. You're not going to be getting the Lakers A-list trade assets. You're not going to be getting the Lakers B-list trade assets. But you will be getting the very final scraps of the Los Angeles Lakers roster <laughs> <laughs> to add to your war chest of young talent that you're building over there in Washington. You're getting guys who they seem to get their names misspelled on every single one of these social media graphics announcing the trade. Uh, Mo mm-hmm. Wagner, Jamario Jones, Isaac Bonga, career point total of 253 points. <laughs> How does it feel, Andrew? You swung for the fences and you connected.
0: Welcome to Washington, D.C. Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga. Who's the other guy? Jamario Jones. Um, no, it's incredible. I mean, can you give me a read on Wagner? Because I know you were a big Michigan guy, you followed him on the way to the Final Four. Then you had kind of a front row seat for the Mo Wagner experience his rookie year. What's your read on his game?
1: No, I mean, the front row seat was that he was sitting in the front row watching with everybody <laughs> <Exactly>. else. <laughs>
0: he was sitting alongside you.
1: Yeah, I um, actually think Jamario Jones' nickname is, what's that guy's name? I think it's Jamario, what's that guy's name, Jones, uh, as you just described. No, I mean, Wagner is supposed to be a stretch big. He had a bunch of injury issues to start last year. He just basically wasn't ready to go. And I think mm-hmm. when you're in this demanding Los Angeles Lakers uh, climate where it's just banner mentality year after year, look, there's going to have to be some sacrifices. If you're not a a ready-made champion, ready to ride with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, get off the
0: boat. Well, listen, first of all, I saw some Wizards people hailing this as a win for the Wizards. I do think we need to be clear that none of these players are very good. And Wagner, I liked him a lot at Michigan. I was just kind of asking you half seriously. I saw enough Mo Wagner last season to know that he's not going to be a starter in the NBA. And basically the Wizards just allowed the... Somebody somebody on Twitter quote tweeted a tweet of mine and said, the Wizards are now like the NBA's compost bin. And that's certainly what they were for the Lakers with that deal. Um, and they took on a two thousand two two 2022 second round pick for their trouble. So I honestly can't imagine how some of the other teams around the NBA feel about the Wizards right now.
1: Well, are you hinting at the idea that this could be a butterfly effect, that the Wizards have sort of injected themselves into a league-altering, I don't know, secondary blockbuster move that's going to open up the required cap space to get a third max-level star that's going to wind up with Kawhi Leonard, Finals MVP landing on the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Is that what you're hinting at?
0: I mean, doesn't it sort of feel that way? And in that case, you know what? I'm glad that the Wizards will have a place in history as a footnote to the Lakers dynasty that is about to be dawning out in L.A.
1: Yeah, does Tommy Shepard get his jersey retired? Does he get
0: a statue, actually? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Staples Center? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Should we talk about the specifics on the Lakers side of the deal? I'm sure this is front page wizards news for most nba fans but i guess we should talk about the lakers as well we should
1: i think the most interesting way to frame it is this they've got the max cap space now so here's the question how many guys in this year's class if you're the lakers are you willing to max out with that room because i'm not sure it's that long of a list and then from you know, that short list, some of these guys already seem like they've got kind of contingency plans, right? So I would say, yes, you max Kawhi Leonard. Yes, you max Kevin Durant. um, You know, yes, you max Jimmy Butler. Yes, you max Kyrie Irving, but he may have a different idea. Yes, Mm -hmm. you max Kemba Walker, but he may have a different idea. And then, that would pretty much be my list. I think it gets into more of a debate about a player like a D'Angelo Russell, more of a debate about a guy like Al Horford, and basically anybody else in the class. Uh, do you agree or disagree with, with anyone I've mentioned?
0: I do agree. I think I would even say I would max D'Angelo Russell before I maxed someone like Kemba Walker, um, just because I think the age matches up well with Anthony Davis, and it's it's worth the gamble. And then D'Angelo's number, I believe, is going to be $27 million if he gets the full max. He may not even get the full max. If you look at his market around the league, like it's unclear who else would give him the full max if he's not getting it from Brooklyn and Brooklyn goes with Kyrie. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with the group that you laid out there. I just think that they will end up getting one of those players.
1: Okay, well, do you have a favorite in the clubhouse for who you think they're going to get? Because the reports came out today that they're going to be meeting with Kawhi Leonard, when you're looking at the scope of the overhaul that Rob Palinka has kind of undertaken here with the Lakers, he's basically gotten rid of everybody besides their recent second round pick, Kyle Kuzma, mm-hmm. LeBron, and Anthony Davis. So everybody else is out. They've mortgaged their future entirely with all of these draft picks. So these are the kinds of moves you would hopefully only take, the kind of risk you would hopefully only absorb if you've got a big time player in mind, Um
0: Well, I want to start there, actually. If you do all of that
1: and you get D'Angelo Russell, is that a good idea? I don't know if that's actually a good plan.
0: Okay, so before we get to the specific players that they're going to be debating, we do need to start with Palinka because I, at the end of last week's podcast, was having some fun at Palinka's expense, and we heard from a number of listeners over the last couple of days. One such listener is Harjit, who said... Listening to Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver discuss the Lakers front office blunder on the Open Floor podcast, does the Lakers front office incompetence narrative get walked back if they add LeBron, Anthony Davis, and a third star across two summers? And so my answer is sort of, because I honestly don't regret marveling at how the Lakers gave everything They did to the Pelicans in that Anthony Davis trade and then failed to get a guarantee on controlling the execution date of that deal, which would have given them max cap space like 10 days ago. Um, But there's no question. I do need to walk back me calling that one of the biggest GM blunders of the past 10 years because Rob Palinka effortlessly picked up the phone and called the Wizards and now they have max cap space. So none of that hand-wringing matters. And I think... When the AD deal initially went through, you and I talked about it and we're like, this will get worked out. But listening to people over the last couple of weeks, like, there it, there was no guarantee that they were going to have max cap space. So Palenka deserves a lot of credit for making that happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he also operated with a lot more information than outsiders, even informed outsiders had, where he may have had an idea about where he could go to, uh, offload those contracts. And he may have also already known, and I'm sure he probably did already know that Anthony Davis was going to just give that 4 million back no matter what, you know? And I think that for, for a lot of people on the internet, it was the Davis trade kicker thing. That was sort of like the big holdup and, I guess I never really thought that they were going to be pinching pennies. You know, if you're clutch sports, like that's such short-term thinking to be like, oh yeah, we need to have this $4 million. We're going to like let that stand in the way of building a you know potential super team. So that part I did think was sort of like unnecessary hand-wringing. Um, the cap space thing though, uh, I think he created it pretty savvily. I mean, it, it was a kind of a cheap price, frankly, for this part of it. Now it's, he gave away all of his good assets earlier. So I think when you're looking on balance, did he still overpay for this scenario? I would say yes. And I would still say yes, even if he does land a third star, because yeah. um, they're, you know, still exposed to all of the risks that we've described kind of time and again. Uh, but I think that he wound up getting a, a lot of criticism. Uh, you know, about his sort of, I don't know if you want to call it like competence or whatever else. It was like secondary criticism from the overall Lakers mess that we've seen here the last couple of months. It was very easy for people to to just kind of like, you know, throw stones at him because (laughs) we've seen a track record that's just been so messy and so dysfunctional, uh, you know, like week after week after week here throughout, uh, you know, basically since the trade deadline that I don't blame people for getting a, a little bit overly excited about that. Uh, But if he comes out with a third star, he's going to be able to, you know, kind of smirk at everybody.
0: Yeah, it was so close to like the best possible Lakers parody to trade for Anthony Davis and then have a clerical error kind of like screw with the rest of their summer. And so there were a lot of. There was a lot of low-hanging fruit with the Palenka stuff, and I regret grabbing some of it at 2.30 a.m. after the draft. But at the same time, look, if we can't joke about Rob Palenka at 2.30 a.m., what can we do, Ben? You know, I reserve the right to make fun of them for at least the next 96 hours until the Lakers own the NBA and own the next three or four years. Well, um, I,
1: I think you should just kind of chill on the backpedaling here, because let's say that the third star winds up coming in and it's Jimmy Butler or the third star winds yeah. up coming in and it's D'Angelo Russell. Are you sure that all these moves, all this masterful cap manipulation got them to a good place if they have to have those three guys plus a couple of you know minimum contract players um, as their starting lineup? I mean, to me, it seems like this whole strategy is brilliant and a no-brainer if it winds up landing Kawhi, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if it winds up landing Kevin Durant. I mean, I would be in for the wait and watch the show a year later. It doesn't seem like that's where this is going, but I think that would still be justified the way that they did this. But if they're getting Jimmy Butler, who I think is sort of like, you know, uh, a good but not a great fit with the other two stars, or if they're getting Russell, who to me is not even really a good fit in this scenario, uh, I think that there's still going to be some questions about their whole process.
0: Yeah, and you're right that there is still going to be a lot more for Palenka and the front office to prove. I just think that they they did take a lot of heat, and there was kind of an echo chamber effect going on over the last week or two in the media where a lot of people just weren't sure they were going to be able to make this cap space happen. And, um, and I think it was reasonable to be conservative because honestly, like I knew that they had to dump those guys. And I was looking around at the NBA and thinking like, I don't know how many teams are going to be in a hurry to actually help the Lakers clear the runway to go sign another superstar and just kind of run the league for a couple of years. And, um, so that's number one. They made it happen. They've they've chose the team that doesn't have a GM. Great work, Palinka. And then the other side of it, I think you're correct to say that they're gonna have some tough choices to make among these superstars. I do think that they needed a third star though, because there if they were trying to divvy that money up, and that was another kind of talking point over the last week or two, is like the Lakers would be better off going for role players. The fact is, the role players that they were going to want are going to be pretty expensive anyways. And um, if you're looking to maximize the value of the remaining money that they have to spend building out the rest of this team, I think their best chance is going to be signing a Kyrie, signing a Kawhi, because those are the guys you could actually get some who can actually outperform their deals. Right, whereas, okay. like, so
1: put a finer point on that though, because we're here, like free is in a couple of days, right? So it's not like a, Ky- a Kyrie or a Kawhi, like we need to know the specific players. Those two. <laughs> that's it, those are the two guys, that's your list. Because if Ky- Kyrie goes to Brooklyn, then it's Kawhi or bust, is that your list?
0: No, I would also add D'Angelo Russell because I think that you're going to need a guard. Um, and like Kawhi is so good that you just sign Kawhi and try to make it work with what maybe three of the five best players or maybe like the three of the four best players. Like those, that would be one of the most talented trios we've ever seen. So go get Kawhi if you can get Kawhi. Kyrie is interesting because I think like everyone kind of assumes that he's going to the Nets. If Durant doesn't go with him, I wouldn't blame the Nets for backing out at the 11th hour. And <laughs> then the rest of the market for Kyrie is kind of murky, right? So, like, the Lakers as a long shot for him. Isn't the craziest thing in the world to me. Um, but then, I mean, even D'Angelo Russell, like, I think that he is a better option than throwing $10 million at Darren Collison.
1: I hear what you're saying on the prioritization of a star, you know, versus splitting the money up. I think one big factor that we've got to acknowledge here is that this summer, there is more available cap space to be spent than there was in the last two summers combined. The main reason why is we're further away from 2016. And a lot yeah. of these teams have like the Lakers and the Knicks and some of these other teams have kind of moved heaven and earth to unload contracts to create uh, and really kind of, uh aggregate that space, you know, within, you know, a certain number of teams, right? So there will be a lot of bidding wars and there aren't enough stars to go around. So it will be kind of a repeat of 2016 where second and uh, third tier guys are going to go for a lot more than they would have gone for last year. And they're going, there's going to be some sticker shock. I mean, I don't know how much sticker shock we saw the last couple of years because teams just didn't have the money to spend. I think that we all need to prepare for that happening, uh, you know, this time around, kind of no question about it. Now, I think what we should really do here is, is kind of dive into this idea of Kawhi on the Lakers, because it's something that I've sort of dismissed when you've raised it at various points over the last couple of months. But I yep. think we've reached the point where it's like, let's play some devil's advocate here, right? Like, let's say we know the reasons, the obvious reasons why it wouldn't make sense. He'd have to be like the third most famous player on his own team. He would have to sacrifice and not get to be the man in a way that he was in Toronto, Um, You know, he would have to deal with a crazy media storm uh, with the Lakers that, you know, for years, everybody said that doesn't really seem like it'd be uh, Kawhi's cup of tea, but let's flip it around. Like, what is the argument that he would make sense on the Lakers, that the Lakers uh, would be able to make it work and turn it into, you know, a championship contender immediately? I mean, Mm -hmm. make the case. Why Kawhi to the Lakers makes sense?
0: Okay, so one of the things and one of the reasons I have continued to raise it over the last four months as sort of like a dark horse candidate in the Kawhi sweepstakes is I just I think everybody talks like I've seen so many people casually dismiss the idea that he would want to go play with LeBron or he'd want to be part of the Lakers circus because they all just say like, come on, you know, Kawhi, like there's no way he wants his own team. He wants to go do his own thing. When in reality, I mean, nobody knows Kawhi. Nobody has known a superstar less than we currently know Kawhi Leonard. And um, and that's fine. I just, I like, as he approaches this decision, basically all we know is that, like, he wants to win. He wants to be in Southern California. And he likes the sports scientist that works for the Raptors, Alex McKechnie. And so, like... Those are kind of the only th- three things we have to go on with this decision. And um, the case for the Lakers is that, like, he has nothing left to prove after this playoff run. He is, uh, like, beyond reproach given the way he carried that Raptors team, given what he had done with the Spurs in the finals uh, back in 2014. And at this point, like, he's basically playing with house money. So if he wants to just go win more titles somewhere, the Lakers give him a really good opportunity to do that. And then the other factor that I would add is that like his body is something that he's probably pretty conscious of and, and should be conscious of. And he was even beginning to break down in these playoffs and like going to play with LeBron and AD who can help shoulder that load might be more appealing than going to a Clippers organization where they're going to basically be asking him to do the exact same thing he did with the Raptors last year, which is, which is a really hard thing to do.
1: If the Lakers get Kawhi Leonard this week, does Frank Vogel make it to training camp or do they just do a do over and hire a new coach? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: um, a fair question. Okay.
1: I, I want to chime in a little bit here on the idea of Kawhi to the Lakers. So the other thing is that we've learned about Kawhi here over the last month, I'd say during the postseason is that he really seemed like he liked being the man in Toronto and, the, the attention that they received during the finals run where they were generating a lot of significant media interest, it didn't really faze him. He just kind of kept going about his business. Now, is it different mm-hmm. dealing with that every single day on a 12-month timetable as opposed to just like, you know, six weeks of really intense scrutiny, which uh, he just survived? I do think that's different, uh, you know, to a certain degree, but it seemed like Kawhi sort of won the battle versus the, the insane media, you know, like he didn't really yeah. change in any meaningful way. And then- it also became very clear. I mean, he walked the walk. He really wanted to win and he looked really, really, really happy winning and uh, and being sort of like the driving force behind that. I think the Lakers offer the market, which clearly is appealing to him. They offer the opportunity to win, as you've described. I think, uh, you know, depending on how uh, aggressively LeBron is willing to kind of rec- recruit Kawhi Leonard, they could offer him... You know, lots and lots of touches on offense. If LeBron has sort of entered that stage of his career where he's ready to be more of a, a secondary guy, if he's like kind of responded to the last few months uh, of not being a part of the NBA picture by sort of having honest conversations with himself and saying, mm-hmm. Look, like I need help. I kind of need to be like Steph Curry in the Hamptons meeting and, uh, you know, do whatever it takes to bring, uh, bring the big fish aboard. Um, then they would be setting you know, Kawhi Leonard up uh, for a lot of opportunities offensively. Um, and I do think that they would go into next season as the, the favorites to come out of the West if they have those three guys and even just minimum no salary guys uh, around that. So it's not as laughable as it seemed a couple weeks ago, uh, I think. And the other factor that I didn't mention is we know uh, Kawhi's advisor, uh, his uncle, is very interested in Kawhi's business pursuits, right? Uh, I mean, yes. the, the New Balance are trying to break out these Raptors colorways and and all this stuff. I mean, that is one thing that the Lakers can offer that basically nobody else can match, right? Um, and I would say that even with the Warriors, uh, it probably couldn't match the platform that the Lakers have. Uh, you know, Kawhi's jerseys would be you know near the top of the charts, if not at the top of the charts. Uh, the sneakers would be selling a lot more in Lakers colorways than they do in Raptors colorways globally, uh, and It'd he would huge. just sort of be in a different stratosphere. So, um,
0: well, and he's he's kind of taken on this like lovable hermetic persona over the last couple months. I mean, with this Raptors playoff run, Kawhi kind of became this like larger than life meme figure. And I think, like, the Lakers would give him an opportunity to build on that persona, and particularly if they go win 55 or 60 games, like, Kawhi will become one of the biggest stars in the world without ever really having to talk, which I think is his dream, uh, or his ideal scenario. So, like, that's a plus. The thing I wonder about, which I do think, like, given what we know about Kawhi, he seems to be very businesslike and, like... I wonder how many times like LeBron would pull him aside for an Instagram before Kawhi would just snap in LA. Like that would be my question if he actually signed with the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that is the biggest the biggest hiccup, the biggest roadblock is the Kawhi versus LeBron dynamic. If I'm LeBron, I absolutely want Kawhi because that means he doesn't guard me during the playoffs, right? Or he yeah. doesn't guard me during the finals. So I would be highly motivated there but it would also take a significant compromise. You know, I mean, I was already raising questions about do they have enough touches to keep D'Angelo Russell happy? Um, Kawhi Leonard was eating a lot during the postseason, right? And I think both LeBron and Anthony Davis would have to be taking steps back to sort of accommodate that almost no matter how you slice it. And I think, um, you know, for LeBron, uh, you know, the other issue is just, like one person gets the ball late in games, right? And Kawhi Mm -hmm. was very comfortable in that role in Toronto. It seemed like that was what got him more excited than almost anything else. Delivering against Philadelphia, having the ball in his hands, fourth quarter against Golden State. Has LeBron ever like had to be off ball late in games? Has he ever had to sort of watch somebody else do it? Is this really the moment where he's prepared to do that? Because I think if you're looking, going into fourth quarters without Kawhi next year, the ball is still in LeBron hands, right? You're doing pick and rolls with Anthony Davis and you're you're playing out of that. If Kawhi is yeah. there, are you really going to stash Kawhi in the corner and say, all right, uh, you know, if if the defense collapses, you know, you hit the open three, just like it's back in the San Antonio days. I'm not sure that's going to fly. Uh, and I think that basically LeBron's going to have to say, I'm willing to take a step back um, for that to work. I don't, I don't yeah. see how else you... Because if I'm Kawhi, you're not forced to sacrifice at this point of your career. Like, you're sort of the king of the mountain. Everybody's courting you. It's kind of like KD uh, in the 2016 summer. Uh, you can kind of have your pick, your picking and choosing of, of everything that's out there. Uh, giving up touches in the fourth quarter is not something I'm interested in if I'm Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. no matter how famous I could be in a Lakers jersey and all of that.
0: Yeah, I, I, the the fascinating—the interplay would be fascinating on the court, it would be fascinating off the court, and it would be—they'd be the biggest story in basketball for as long as they're together. So, Wait,
1: so would LeBron try to spin it like, I'm doing what Dwayne Wade did when I went to Miami? Is that how he would try to Kind of, it?
0: yeah. I, and I think even more so, because Wade, when he recruited everybody to Miami, was still in the middle of his prime. But you've got now LeBron— handing his number down to Anthony Davis, potentially bringing in like Kyrie or or Kawhi. Although I don't think Kyrie would be super jazzed about like LeBron playing the father figure again, but I'm personally excited for like uncle LeBron passing the torch over the next couple of years. And that would be true if they brought in D'Angelo Russell as well. Like if, if that's the way he's going to play it at least like publicly and try to put make anthony davis the face of the team like that would be a lot of fun
1: yeah i mean do you think he's ready to do that right now because i think one narrative that you you brought up or an idea yeah because like (laughs) you told me a couple weeks ago you're like lebron could have this crazy bounce back year where he's back in the mix for mvp and you know like he's got the lakers back and he's gonna have one more great run in him those things kind of seem mutually exclusive don't they
0: Yeah, which is part of what's going to be interesting because I think it's going to be LeBron saying all the right things and trying to, like, I mean, Anthony Davis just waved his trade kicker. What do you think about that part of this, by the way? Because I feel like that's going to be controversial and a source of a lot of takes over the next few days.
1: I mean, to me, it seems like, The amount of earning potential that Anthony Davis has as a Laker over his career, it seems like $4 million is peanuts. So to allow that to hold the franchise back in any way seemed like that would have been a mistake. And so I just always kind of assumed he was going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that part didn't really bug me. I'll tell you what bugged me, though. What? Anthony Davis should not take LeBron's number. Okay, I think it's a very big move of LeBron to offer it, but Anthony (laughs) Davis... Should politely decline. Okay. LeBron James is one of the all time greats. He should not have to give up his number to accommodate anyone um, under any circumstances. And I think for Anthony Davis,
0: the most fun part of his career was when he wore number six. As long as he goes back to number six, I'm pretty excited about this shift.
1: I think it's fine. I just don't want this to be a situation where LeBron felt he had to do it to appease Anthony Davis to make sure that trade kicker got declined or to you know kind of make him comfortable or anything
0: else. I am with you 100%. Like from the day we found out that he had the option to waive the trade kicker and you could create an extra four and a half million dollars, like that's a no-brainer to me because of all the money that Anthony Davis is going to be making off the court, and because if you're Anthony Davis and you want to be in LA long-term and this is the only summer they have where they can really add pieces around you and kind of solidify this, this foundation for the next few years. Like your life is going to be so much better if you wave that, that kicker and then have Max Caspace to come add another superstar. Like there are people out there who are acting like this is some kind of shady move on Rich Paul's part. And he's, no, he's there's, representing there's just Lebon's jealous people. interests. Yeah. yeah. It does, that part just doesn't make sense to me. Like this was a no brainer all along.
1: Yeah. And there's just, I mean, it, clearly he would not have waived that trade kicker for any team. Right. And that's part of the leverage right. that superstars get to have. I mean, it's, it's not quite the no trade clause, but it's sort of like, I mean, if you're trying to steer him away from Boston or some other destination, like that's a very helpful tool, um, you know, to have in your pocket. And I think you laid it out very well. I mean, the it's kind of short-term thinking, and I think it's also a good thing when you're looking at, you know, how could this thing go wrong? If Anthony Davis were to suffer a major injury that kind of changes his earning power heading into free agency next summer, well, he's already got the built-in goodwill of doing a real solid for the Lakers front office where, uh, you know, there there shouldn't be a negotiation on his next contract, no matter what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I agree. He's signing for a massive number next July regardless, and $4 million is not going to make or break his financial future. So, um, yeah, wrapping it up here on the Lakers. So the Jimmy thing, would you sign Jimmy if you were the Lakers? Because he's more of a gamble as well, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, he was in my my group that I said yes. Um, Again, the fit isn't great. You'd have some other holes, but they need an elite perimeter defender. Uh, for the postseason, that's going to be a hole that everybody has to address, right? So if it's not going to be Kawhi, it's definitely not going to be LeBron. So who is that guy going to be? Um, Anthony Davis is, you know, a defensive player that you're type candidate, but he's not going to be able to lock up the the kinds of wings who are going to be, you know, doing most of the damage, or even the the point guards who are going to be doing most of the damage in the in the playoffs. So to me, it would be worth maxing him out. Um, I kind of think. I can definitely picture Jimmy on this team, right? Like this, you know, circus, three ring circus team. Uh, You know, everybody goes to the Mark Wahlberg thing immediately, but like Jimmy likes the attention. Uh, And so if I was the Sixers, I would be watching this trade play out and thinking, well, (laughs) we better give him the full five-year max on day one. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to be in uh, for some competition for his services that maybe we didn't expect.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, if they can't get Kawhi or Kyrie... Or D'Angelo Russell, the Nets try to make that complicated because of the restricted free agency factor. Like Jimmy Butler would be a fit on this team; he could do I some know. of the ball handling, which they're going to need. And um,
1: I'd rather have Jimmy Butler than D'Angelo if I were them.
0: Yeah, I, I I go back and forth because D'Angelo is a huge gamble as well, but he's younger. Whereas Jimmy Butler had basically three and a half good games against the Raptors last year. Like he's he's a risk. I I. I like Jimmy's game when he's on, but he also had a couple months last year where he just looked older and that next contract is going to be a huge commitment and again, like this is the one shot the Lakers have to build out this team. Right. And so going younger makes a little bit of sense to me.
1: I don't know. See, I go the other way. This is their one shot and they've got to do it within the next two years. They have to be ready to win a title immediately because LeBron's timeline is sort of their timeline. And yep. trying to line people up on Davis's uh, you know, age curve uh, doesn't make a ton of sense to me because if it kind of blows up here early and they're not able to do it, I just feel like all the pieces are going to be scattering, you know, and you can't count really on anything in that standpoint. So, um, I think you've already said, forget about tomorrow. Um, you know, if you just, if their evaluation is D'Angelo Russell is a better player than Jimmy Butler, then, okay, that's going to be their evaluation. They go that direction. But I don't think you, you make that call based on what the 2021 Lakers are going to look like, because, uh, no, already and what I make, what I'm arguing
0: there is, is essentially that it's a gamble in each case, but I would probably lean toward gambling on the younger guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a good point though, that if they don't have Kawhi or Kyrie, like it's going to get complicated all over again. And, and, and that's where we could be by this time next week.
1: If you're Kyrie, would you rather play with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the Lakers or with Kevin Durant on the Brooklyn Nets?
0: So, you're not going to be playing with Kevin Durant for the first year of that deal, number one. Number two, it's so tough to read Kyrie right now because his body is all screwed up. His head, like his Instagrams, the last couple months, it shouldn't matter, but it does that this dude is basically just generating like a constant stream of gibberish on Instagram. Like, I, I, Can't really explain why that matters or concerns me, but I don't know. It's just a red flag uh, among many with with Kyrie. But at the same time, it's just such a clean fit with LeBron. We've seen Kyrie work with LeBron in the past and with Anthony Davis that um, I would be tempted if I were Kyrie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, once again, it goes down to the dynamic with LeBron, right? Just like we were saying with Kawhi and LeBron, could that be the hiccup? I mean, is Kyrie prepared to get over that? Um, Or does Kevin Durant present a, you know, more of an equal, right? Like a co-star type thing? Because I think if Kyrie goes there, he's still going to be the younger brother. Like, I don't think... LeBron is going to be ceding control of the team or control of the offense to Kyrie at any point here over the next 2 to 3 years. I could see LeBron taking a step back for Kawhi, but I don't think so for uh, for Kyrie. And so if you're knowing you're going in as the third star, you're not even the number 2 guy that you were you were in Cleveland. You're almost taking a step back to be the number 3 guy on this new team. That it seems like something that Kyrie would just not be able to kind of process. It seems like his ego has gotten to the point uh, over these last twelve months, where uh, that—that's not how he perceives himself uh, in the NBA, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: if he's the young Mamba, right, or if he's this guy who's this wise old veteran who's schooling the Jalen Browns and Jason Tatum's of the world, and they're not paying any attention. How is it going to be to be the one on the receiving end of some lectures from LeBron day after day after day, where every single, you know, remember how much he was complaining about that video of him and Kevin Durant getting picked apart during All-Star Weekend? Uh Everything that he does with LeBron in LA, from the moment they're introducing at the press conference to the time he leaves, will be under that level of a microscope or a magnifying glass. I don't know. I just, something about that it sounds better on paper their fit than it does sort of in practice.
0: Yeah. Well, um, that's why to circle back, I think the only way Kyrie to LA would ever happen is if the nets just kind of pull the plug and there's some kind of Sean Marks intervention on June 29th. And it's like, stop, don't do this. We've been building carefully here. Uh, and you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, that, the one thing that I, I, I really do think that they're going to get one of these guys, and wh- with Jimmy, with Kyrie, or with Kawhi, or even with D'Angelo, I, th- I think they enter next season as the favorite to win the title. Maybe not with D'Angelo, actually. That's more of a wild card, but um, congrats to the Lakers because now that they have this space, all of this gets so much realer.
1: It's definitely more intriguing. I think unless they get Kawhi, they will not enter next season as the uh, as the title favorites. I think that to Even me that's you get Kyrie? Yeah, come on, man. You overrate Kyrie. You've been overrating him for three years. No, no,
0: no. I'm actually pretty much out on Kyrie, and this is actually a good time to announce it because we've got a couple emails being like, You guys are being too hard on Kyrie. When I called him the Jay Cutler of the NBA. Like that that was sort of my epiphany midway through the Bucks series when Kyrie literally shot like six of twenty four and came to the press conference and was like, Who gives a shit? Like I am out on Kyrie permanently, but I do think like talent wise with those two guys there, that would be enough for them to enter as like the clear cut favorite to win the title. You could
1: convince me that if they get Kyrie, they will win a title at some point with that group. But I just think that year one dynamic, all the other moving pieces, the Vogel factor. Uh, you oh know, my God. Like, the Vogel try...
0: factor is really underrated, actually. Thank you. <laughs> It's going to be pretty wild next year with he, him and then Jason Kidd just kind of randomly thrown in the background. Like, do you think Kidd, most assistant coaches are not allowed to talk to the press, but maybe Kidd will have like his own press conferences off to the side?
1: He'll just follow the LeVar Ball model and just like go to the little players tunnel where all the reporters at Staples Center go <laughs> and just kind of do a, a shadow uh, post-game uh, announcements. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that there'd be so many moving parts. It's, it's difficult to accumulate enough minimum salary guys, you know, during one 12 month period to really build out a full rotation. Like Miami, they need a little bit of tinkering there the first couple of years to really get themselves to a strong place. Um, and I think the same thing would kind of play out for LA and plus there's a lot of other good teams and the Lakers would be so top heavy. Any bad injury luck would kind of, uh, you know, kind of throw them for a loop. Now I could see mm. them being installed as the Vegas title favorites because the Lakers fans would be throwing all of their money at every single casino uh, to kind of like prop up those odds. Uh, but to me, unless they get Kawhi, uh, they're not going to be the title favorites. Hey guys, what's up? This is Ben Goliver with Sports Illustrated's Open Floor Podcast. Keeping a healthy lifestyle should be easy, right? You eat veggies, drink green smoothies, exercise to get your heart rate up, and do yoga to bring your heart rate down. Woo. Well, maybe not so easy, but there is something that helps improve everything and you can do it with your eyes closed. It's sleep. Sleep Number knows what it takes to sleep your best. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed lets you choose your ideal firmness, comfort, and support on each side, your sleep number setting. It's the perfect solution for couples. These beds are so smart, they respond to your every move and automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now for a limited time during the Memorial Day sale, save $1000 on the new Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, a queen, now for only 1799. You'll only find Sleep Number at Sleep Number stores or by visiting www.sleepnumber.com. That's www.sleepnumber.com.
0: Yeah. I mean this is again why they need that third star Because that injury luck is real And um, at third star at least Gives you a little bit Of insurance um, And even if that person is D'Angelo Russell Like you've got somebody who can hold it down When one of those guys sits I Wait, do you they... think
1: that uh, they'll they'll take load management to its next, uh, you know, his, its next iteration and call it like sabbaticals, where LeBron doesn't play November, Kawhi doesn't play December, Anthony Davis gets January off, <laughs> and they just sort of like rotate it so that they're all ready to rock? What do you think?
0: Dude, they absolutely should, Uh, particularly with LeBron. And this is one where I worry because LeBron is the guy who's generally calling the shots with all of this. And I hope that someone is around to interject and be like, look, I understand you want to prove that you can play 82 games at 35 years old, but like, please take it down a notch. We don't need you pulling a groin in March and just ruining this entire season. We're going to manage you and keep you at 35 or 33 minutes a game or whatever, because like he needs to get back to like 2014 Cleveland where he just disappears for a while.
1: If you were a termite, you know, a Toronto Raptors fan, would you be more worried about the Clippers or the Lakers finding a way to steal Kawhi Leonard?
0: Oh my God. I mean, honestly, if I were a termite, I would be deliriously drunk with happiness right now, and would not really care what Kawhi did because of how cool that title run was. Uh, but my I mind mean, jumps that to sounds, the Clippers.
1: That sounds good until that tweet comes across, you know. And then it's does like- it
0: though? Look, you're talking to a Wizards fan and uh, someone whose team just traded for Isaac Bonga and Mo Wagner, like. If, my, if I had a title in, in hand, I would be like, screw it. Like, everybody can leave. I'm good. Uh, I'll watch Pascal Siakam for the next few years. But no, my I mind mean, immediately look. jumped to the Clippers side of it.
1: I hear you on that just because I have all that commemorative stuff where, when Michigan football won their national title and they actually had to split the national title, which kind of, you know, we don't talk about that, you know, yeah, <laughs> of the all time <laughs> asterisk, that's like a pretty big asterisk. And, but. and
0: honestly, that was a, a very bullshit split title because Nebraska really should have lost that Missouri game. We are both very, very old, but this is back in 1997, right? Uh, there you go. Yeah, it was, a very, it was a soft title on Nebraska's part, just for the so my
1: point. My point is I've lived vicariously through that title. That's carried me a long way. You know, I still have all the, you know, commemorative issues, a little like placard with all the scores of, of every single game along the way and all that, but that did not prevent a lot of pain here over the last decade, right? And so it uh-huh. sounds good that you're going to be able to enjoy this Kawhi Leonard thing for a long time, but um, the other shoe is going to drop at some point, and... Yeah, it's gonna be. You're gonna be living in the shadow of that title forever, basically. If he leaves, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, um, so I, I would be starting
1: th- to get nervous. Is my point. If I was a termite, I, I'm looking at this bonga trade, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh no.
0: <laughs> well, and what if you were a Clippers fan, or uh, I don't even know how many Clippers fans there really are, but if you were a Clippers employee, our friend Lee Jenkins works at the Clippers. Like, they've done everything right and have planned so carefully. And Steve Ballmer has talked a big game about what's possible this summer. And now, like, the Lakers are here. It could be kind of a demoralizing loss for that franchise.
1: I mean, do they move out of the city? How do you respond?
0: (laughs) Maybe. Like, first of all, I've wanted Steve Ballmer to move the Clippers to Seattle since the day he bought that team. So it's not the worst uh, backup plan in the world to do that. But, yeah, I I mean, we'll have to see because it also (laughs) – the, the idea that Ka- Kawhi is going to be taking meetings for the first week of free agency or the first like 72 to 96 hours, like that's going to tie up some of the Clippers money and, and prevent them for, from pursuing alternatives, which makes it all even more complicated.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like the front office uh, case of being at the free throw line with the crowd going nuts, trying to distract you with like 15 seconds left in the game on the line. Like yeah, the just Clippers, land the
0: plane, Steve Ballmer. <laughs> right,
1: the Clippers really have to like hone in on what their plan was. You know, talk themselves up, say, "Hey guys, we've done everything right. Like we've got the cap space, we've got the scenarios. We can pitch them on a Jimmy Butler uh, pairing. You know, doing all these different things to just sort of make sure that they don't get uh, you know overwhelmed before those meetings." Um, I was just kidding about the whole, you know, moving out of LA idea, but it would be a a devastating blow because it would reinforce everything about kind of both franchises. It would reinforce that big brother, little brother dynamic on both sides. And it would be really, really hard to overcome that in part, because if you look forward to next year's free agents... Uh, Anthony Davis is the biggest name, so they wouldn't be able to play for him. And the other guys who are going to be available are not very enticing. You know, this is sort of like the big summer where everyone's been setting the table for this particular summer, because there's a, a pretty good number of superstar level players available, uh, a bunch of them who are seemingly interested in moving. Um, and, you know, trying to kick that forward to next year would not be very appetizing if you're the Clippers or the Knicks, by the way. And it seems like that's where the buzz is going for the Knicks too right now, right? Like, are they on the outside looking in?
0: Yeah. One other word on the Clippers. I want to read this email we got from Misha, who's a Warriors fan. But he said, last week with Lakers fans throwing out Trump-like fake news insults at all the media... We should not forget that this fan base is basically the most entitled fan base in the entire NBA. Maybe you two don't know since the last time they were good was before everyone was extremely on- online. But growing up in the Bay Area, I have a ton of friends from LA and no one is more entitled than these idiots. This next year will be exhausting. Don't say I didn't warn you. And I mentioned that, Ben, because the best Conspiracy theory I've seen online was the idea that Steve Ballmer was seeding the NBA media with dark money to influence our coverage and have people talking up the Clippers and um, hating on the Lakers' competence. Like, that is one of the most amazing, weird online corners we've seen in the NBA this year.
1: I need you to come back to reality for the rest of this podcast. Like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Really, you didn't see that at all? No, I did, but it's like just you, you just you gotta you don't <laughs> let that through the filter, Andrew. Come on.
0: Well, listen, I can't write about it because I I was writing about the Lakers today. I, I deleted a paragraph where I was making fun of how insane they became. But the podcast is a safe space to talk about how far off the deep end those fans went. But again, Lakers got the last laugh on this one. They do have max cap space. So uh So
1: that second house that you were telling me that you just bought, was that all Balmer money or <laughs> Yeah
0: look it did was Balmer Dolan... cryptocurrency, absolutely. I'm moving to the islands. Um it's gonna be great. Thank you, Steve Ballmer. I believe Wait. in Shea Gilgis Alexander, he's gonna be a superstar.
1: All right, let's try to salvage this little detour that you you are making by <laughs> asking this question. If an owner did do that, would it work? Could you speak a free agent coming to your franchise into existence through sheer positive propaganda for a year long from the media? Would that be possible? Because look, we praise the Clippers a pretty good amount all season long. I will say upfront, I received zero compensation for doing that. Um, (laughs) But like, let's say that that was part of their, uh, Steve Ballmer had like $20 million worked into his budget and he was just going to spread it around to every single blog, get every single, you know, it turns it into like a North Korea media situation. Yeah. Would it, would it work?
0: I mean, I think it depends on the superstars. Number one, Kawhi would be the superstar. I would feel least confident trying to influence. So that was a tough one, a tough place for the Clippers to be starting in this sort of PR campaign. Um, but uh, if, if an if a owner was legitimately buying off media organizations, I don't know if it would work. And I think, honestly, I know you're kind of joking, but one of the lessons that we've seen this summer is that there's only so much any of these teams can do because strange things happen. I, I don't think that the Knicks have done anything wrong over the last 12 months. I think they've actually planned for this summer about as well as you could expect them to, and everything kind of went sideways with kd and now all of that is up in the air and that's just a really tough spot to be and um and the same is true with the clippers and the nets as well as they've planned they may end up just having to talk themselves into kyrie irving plus tobias harris or kyrie irving plus whoever else they can get if they don't get kd and even if they get kd that won't matter until 2021 so like I don't know. Best laid plans rarely work out for any of these teams, even if you're buying off half the media.
1: Okay, so let's twist this just slightly. What is the number one partnership you want to see between player and team to come out of this free agency?
0: Um I would like to see Kawhi go to the Lakers. Let's see them try to break the NBA.
1: Okay, great. So Kawhi to the Lakers. Let's say I gave you a blank check. Right. If I'm Genie Bus or whoever I am, I'm saying, Andrew, I think that you've got the influence to be able to steer this the right direction. I'm going to give you unlimited money, unlimited resources to make sure Kawhi lands with the Lakers. What's your plan of attack? Like, how, how do you even approach that? Because we saw some pretty silly uh, uh, billboards going up around LA, uh-huh. uh, you know, on behalf of the Clippers trying to appeal to Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, you could just do every single article and every single podcast, and sort of like you were doing with Anthony Davis to the Celtics for the last three years. But you could just sort of rejigger that (laughs) for Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. (laughs) But Um, like beyond that, if I just said you have unlimited resources, where does your brain go in terms of like crafting this plan?
0: Eighty to the Celtics is the ultimate example of best-laid plans going awry. I don't know, man. I mean, when you're laying that all out, first of all. My coverage, I don't really know. Do I then like redirect some of that money to Sports Illustrated editors to try to like scheme for a cover story on like Uncle Dennis or something like a sequel to Rich Paul on the cover? (laughs) We put Uncle Dennis on the cover.
1: Here we go. I I love this idea. Well, what (laughs) about like a, a camera crew? Uh, Following him around, you know, could you do a little documentary, day in the life? Would you be in on that? Yeah.
0: Well, see, this is why I would never want to be a college basketball coach or an AAU coach or whatever, because like, yeah, you make good money, but you end up having to pay out of pocket to like buy off the talent that you need, and um, I mean, I would have to spend a lot of my Balmer stipend. On recruiting Uncle Dennis because that that would be my point of attack if I were trying to get <laughs> Kawhi on my team. It's like, all right, I'm gonna go live next to Uncle Dennis and just hit him up every day about different like business ideas that we can do together.
1: Would you guys co-write a book? I think you guys could do a book. You know, as <laughs> as told to Andrew Sharp, you know, the New Balance or i do not. What would you call it?
0: I don't know, man. I don't know. But you know what? I I should also say this. As much as we have kind of... Uncle Dennis is like a fun caricature to talk about in NBA circles and on the internet and whatnot. But like, he has done a really good job keeping all of this very close to the vest over the last couple months. Nobody has any idea what Kawhi is going to do, what he wants. And and Kawhi, by doing that, is not really beholden to anyone at this point. I think Raptors fans would understand if he left... I think Clippers fans would understand if he stayed in Toronto. They would obviously be completely heartbroken if he goes to the Lakers, but like Kawhi has a lot of power right now and um, and Uncle Dennis has done a really good job managing that. So
1: there's no question he is the power broker of this entire summer, especially since Kevin got injured. And it's all, it's been through like an anti-marketing campaign. Like we're joking about how much money Balmer spent. Like how much do you think uncle Dennis has spent on marketing? I mean, it's gotta be $0, right? Yeah. I mean, there hasn't, there hasn't really been any, uh, you know, real push to put him as the this centerpiece guy in the league. And yet that's where Kawhi Leonard has ended up. Uh, a lot of things had to break right along the way for that to be the way it, uh, uh, it played out. But yeah, there's no doubt. Like if you're looking at where they were as a, a group, 18 months ago to where they are now. I mean, their stock has been soaring. Kawhi Inc., even though we are not investors, even <laughs> we though we warned everybody investors. off of it a long time ago, is doing great. Uh,
0: I've been more of a Kawhi believer than you have. You don't, you've you got a mouse in your pocket. But um, I love that moving phrase. on from the top of the league to the bottom of the league, as far as owner spending. Ben, we got this email from Raj, and he says... Regarding Jimmy Butler and the Rockets' sign and trade rumors, I know that everyone thinks Morey loves stars at all costs, and while I think that's true to a large degree, I also think we're looking past what may be a basic means of optimizing a situation that's being foisted on him by Tillman Fertitta. Have we considered that the real goal of a Butler sign and trade is that it basically limits how much he'll have to pay? The Rockets would get hard capped at the apron, which is about $6.3 million over the tax this year, which means that no matter what happens, the most Fertitta would have to pay in tax is $9.8 million. If a great role player comes along who would require going further into the tax, Tillman can just claim that the rules are stopping the Rockets and it's not about his unwillingness to pay. What do you think of that? Obviously, that's more of like the conspiracy corner. But I do think that like the Tillman Fertitta spending is a common thread in a lot of the dysfunction that we've seen in Houston. And, um, and it's, it's a big reason I'm wary of believing in their future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just wary of their future because of the salaries that they already have uh, in place with James Harden and Chris Paul. I mean, they're really logjam. There's no way around it. And so a Jimmy Butler sign and trade where they strip the rest of the roster, go out there and get a third star and then try to fill in the gaps around those three guys. uh, It would counter a lot of the bubbling narratives, which I'm sure they don't like, which is is the owner committed? Uh, yeah. You know, Is the GM's philosophy flawed? Do Chris Paul and, and James Harden hate each other? Is this become a toxic environment? Like Going out there and, and making that kind of a deal, it fits with their organizational philosophy. And it also pushes back on a lot of the questions that have been popping up. So it makes sense on those fronts. But,
0: but to um, be clear, what Raj is saying is true, that they would then be hard capped at six point right. three million dollars over the cap, um, I look at tax. that
1: more as like a side uh, effect rather than the motivating factor for why you do that deal. I'm not as cynical as Raj is. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's fair. We we don't need to be as cynical as Raj is. But the reason I I include that is is mostly because I just have no idea why they would try to do that deal. Like that's a it's not a great fit even in the best of terms um, or even in the best of cases but even beyond that like the the chemistry is already not in a great place Jimmy Butler in a good year in Philly had a couple run-ins with that team and um and that was without the security of a long-term deal i don't know i it it just the whole thing seems kind of crazy to me and i don't it, i don't know if this just means that the rockets have kind of run out of run out of ideas and are trying to get desperate or what
1: Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think they're log jammed. The Chris Paul thing is they're kind of stuck with that. It's going to be very difficult to trade him. Um, You know, we always kept going back to the Lakers as a team who could potentially be interested, but that's dried up. So I think they're looking for any way that they can maximize and sort of, you know, flip the script from the same climate that existed between their two main stars last year. And Butler would certainly shake things up for better or worse. And that would be a lot of talent aggregated in one place where you could talk yourself into them having a chance, uh, you know, as early as next season competing for a title. Uh, Would it work? Would I bet on it working? No. I could see their motivation from their side. But I don't see why Jimmy Butler would want to do that. That's the part that I get hung up on, right? Especially if he's got Philadelphia as one option of being part of a big three, the Lakers as another option of being part of a big three, going to the Clippers and being the man uh, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't go there all of those to me are preferable than going to sort of a stripped down version of the Houston Rockets, even though Houston is home for him. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, that's where well, I, I, I see Jimmy the hangup on that end.
0: I, I understand he's he's from Houston, but like you just go roll the dice with the next four years of your career with these guys who kind of hate each other. And then I, I don't know. I mean, I asked somebody with another team where these rumors were coming from because a lot of them – I mean, it's very clear that Houston is doing everything it can to telegraph interest in Jimmy Butler and try to kind of like will this trade into existence. But the the person with the other team said this is basically Daryl Morey saying, Jimmy, we're really interested in you and we're serious about this. And then maybe he'll trade for Jimmy Butler in a year or two. And that's where this is coming from.
1: That's what I was saying. And like the sign and trade idea, those are very delicate and they only work if all three parties benefit, right? The star has to benefit, the team that's trading him has to benefit and the team that receives him has to benefit. In this proposed scenario, I only think Houston benefits, right? I don't think it's a better situation for Jimmy and Philadelphia would have to be part of it. And why would they want to do any of this, right? I mean, are the pieces coming back, you know, that tempting for them to be willing to uh, you know, turn around and and trade away Jimmy Butler, who they obviously invested a lot of, uh, you know, intellectual capital in and, and time and energy in last season, um, especially when they're sort of on the doorstep of feeling like they could make a finals run. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it just doesn't make sense. And like, those sign and trades are very, very hard to get right, uh, yeah. or to even have them like, you know, come together. And this one just sounds off to me.
0: Yeah, well, keep the team together, Rockets. For God's sakes, the West is finally opening up. Don't make this more complicated than it needs to be. If the Ro- if the Lakers don't sign Kawhi Leonard, the Rockets are going to be right there with the Lakers as potential favorites in the west like just run it back for god's sakes um, you know who
1: i feel bad for though is their role players especially a guy like pj tucker. So tucker he has, to, man. <laughs> he has like, to spend all season doing all of the dirty work playing all of the defense you know only getting to you know shoot the ball every once in a while when he gets to touch it you know yeah. getting all the offensive rebounds kicking it back out to chris paul and james harden he has to answer questions at the nba awards show about you know how is the locker room are they staying together
0: thinking. he's out there on the red carpet carrying water for Chris and James and being like no it's fine like we we don't they don't hate each other all good teams fight like it's it's all part of the game and then like a day later he, he's in like the centerpiece of a Sixers trade what like what the hell are the Rockets thinking here
1: yeah I mean it's a tough life on and off the court for those guys and uh they, they're not getting paid nearly enough to deal with all that I'll say that
0: yeah. Yeah. And PJ Tucker took a discount to sign with the Rockets. So, um, that's tough. Someone who isn't gonna take a discount. Adrian Adrian Wojnarowski reports the Celtics have emerged as the front runner to sign Kemba Walker once free agency opens Sunday at six PM Eastern. Ben, have you have your thoughts changed at all about Kemba in Boston?
1: Uh, not really. Um I think that when if you're losing Kyrie uh, and you're losing Al Horford, it's sort of like your drive off the tee goes way uh, off uh, the fairway, and then your second mm-hmm. shot goes into the bunker. And if you're coming back and getting Kemba Walker, then that's a nice you know chip out of the bunker onto the green, right? It, it kind of salvages what could have been a, a really, really ugly summer for them. But people got really mad at me for saying that Boston's situation is marginally better uh, than Charlotte. Now, <laughs> I was speaking specifically about their ability to win next year. Yeah. and. If Charlotte keeps Kemba Walker, they're that typical like nine, ten seed in the mid thirties of wins and pretty depressing. And who cares, right? And my question is just, what is Boston's ceiling if they're spending all of their cap space on Kemba Walker and they've got the Horford hole that they're going to have to fill with you know some uh, you know budget type so center option?
0: Essentially, is like a sixth place Celtics team. Yeah,
1: a team that is not in the contenders conversation that did a nice job of salvaging or retooling rather than mm-hmm. going into the full-scale rebuild, but not really making noise, not threatening Philadelphia, you know, not threatening Milwaukee or whoever else is at the top of the Eastern Conference and you know they're right back in that cute story conversation, and I'm sorry, I like greatness. I don't appreciate goodness, Andrew. You know, and so if you're a, a <laughs> 45 win team, you're the worst. <laughs> no, I'm saying though, I think a 45 win team is marginally better than a 35 win team. I right agree now, with
0: that. I agree with that. I think that they are going to be a better. They are going to be better than 45 wins. I, I would peg them in the low 50s with Kemba. I think. Are that they're you sure? Be, I mean,
1: 65, 67. Where, where do you see them?
0: yeah 67 wins that was not that was bill simmons that was not me but as far as the easy to get confused
1: every once in a while of course you like this move.
0: (laughs) look i'm all in on kemba in boston i think that it's actually going to be a lot of fun i envision them turning into kind of like the blazers east next year stevens will do a great job getting kemba looks and getting the best version of his game in boston and um the question I have, but I should be very clear though, I really enjoyed when I kicked it to you for some instant Celtics-Kemba analysis and you come back with like a, a cold glass of water on all of it. Because I count on you for that harsh reality and I enjoyed it and um, you're probably, I mean... Y- it's reasonable to be kind of bearish on what's next in Boston. I just think Kemba is going to be great in that system. And there's there's more there than people realize after telling Celtics jokes for the last three weeks. Um,
1: yeah, I know. It's amazing how much talent Kyrie squandered. There's no question he, about he, it. He, he um, did.
0: He did. Basketball Jay Cutler, you know? So... <laughs> Well, look, I'll
1: I'll say I can't lose this way, right? Because if they overachieve, then it just makes Kyrie look worse. (laughs) And so all my Kyrie takes look great. And if they kind of, you know, play to the expectations that I think they're going to have, then, you know, fine. Then they're not in the conversation and who cares?
0: Well, I just think that like that he's going to be dealing with relative to Charlotte, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are not as good as Celtics fans think. And neither is Gordon Hayward. But they are worlds better than like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Frank Kaminsky, Jeremy Lamb, and Cody Zeller.
1: There's no question about it. Look, Charlotte's been a mess, and I think that, uh, you know, Kemba is probably underrated by the average nba fan but i can promise you this he's already become overrated by the average celtics fan because the need (laughs) to have somebody to step into that vacuum is just it pulls on their emotions i understand it i get it it was a really tough week there when they're finding out about al and kyrie and they're Uh looking to turn the page as quickly as possible and you can absolutely sell me on tatum still taking a step forward next season uh, you know, coming back, refocused Brown continuing to develop. I think that you know he definitely took a step forward last year, um, despite all the other nonsense.
0: Well, wait, uh, I actually have one question there. If you could do Jalen Brown for Miles Turner, would you do it if you were the Pacers? And would you do it if you were the Celtics?
1: I wouldn't do it if I was the Pacers. No.
0: What about Jalen Brown plus that 2020 Memphis pick, which becomes unprotected in 2021?
1: Uh, that's getting more interesting. The Pacers are going to have like a pretty wild summer as it is because they have so many free agents. They kind of have to figure out what they want to be. They've also invested a lot in Miles and they've gotten the development. And so I feel like he's more valuable to them than he would be to the average team just because like they've put in the hard work, right? Don't you want to get the rewards if you're them? Um, But when you're starting to throw in these future assets, and you know Kevin Pritchard likes to play that game, you're probably getting the conversation closer to where it would be. Um, but yeah, I think what your point is that, Boston would probably need to rebalance their roster at some point, having all three of their sort of, you know, quote unquote, best players, you know, being sort of wings yeah, or backcourt perimeter players. I don't players. think
0: that they want to pay Jalen Brown a max extension in October or before October, whenever that deadline is. And I don't think that they want to give him the max next summer when he hits restricted free agency So he's, a, he's an asset for them to play with to try to get it big if, if the right offer materializes.
1: Right. I just think the big picture story about the Celtics that gets lost in this like wave of optimism is that this team was supposed to be a dynasty. A title team.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: and now everybody's really excited about the idea of 50 wins, right? Dude, I mean, come on.
0: Anthony Davis is in LA now and the Lakers are going after like Kyrie, Kawhi, who knows. Right. But, like, so
1: why am I being too harsh on the Celtics? I mean, you're, you're, you're accusing not. me of that a little bit, but I think other people have accused me of that too. It's like, come on, let's keep it real. Like This, <laughs> this summer did not go the way they wanted it to and it's not not the way that they were promising it was going to happen for the last three years. And you can make these other moves to sort of change the subject and show people, uh, you know, a flashy object like Kemba Walker. I think he's going to be a really good fit there. He's going to be an all-star for them. There's no doubt about yeah. it, but come on. Like, let's, let's uh, keep this conversation, you know, where it should be, which is, you know, they're going to wind up being losers from this summer no matter what.
0: Right. But Kemba is going to have more than a marginally better life in Boston with that team than he did with this, with the Hornets, which is more about where the Hornets are to be very, very clear. Uh, I'm happy for Kemba. And I think that team is going to be fun. The uh, let's hit a couple more on the way out here. Tim McMahon says Patrick Beverly is seeking a deal in the three year, $40 million range. The suitors include the Mavs, Lakers, Bulls, Clippers, He's not going to the Lakers. Um, what do you think about Patrick Beverly with the Mavs?
1: Awesome fit. I mean, you know, he's like that prototypical spot-up shooter, doesn't need to have the ball, and then, you know, handle the on-ball defense. and can guard either guard position. I mean, those things are exactly what you would look for alongside of James Harden in Houston, and he played that role, and it would be the same deal uh, alongside Luka Doncic in Dallas. So I think that that one would make a lot of sense. I think that they need to address that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I think Kemba sounded like he was one of their targets. So if they have to move on to plan B, when you look at the other available plan Bs, if it's, uh, you know, Ricky Rubio uh, or Darren Collison or uh, the other guys sort of in that mix, to me, Beverly is a better fit than those
0: guys. I agree with that. And I agree that paying Beverly roughly $13 million a year. I would rather do that than pay $22 million a year to get Malcolm Brogdon because I don't trust either of these guys to stay healthy, but I think Beverly can give you most of what Brogdon would give you for $10 million cheaper, all the kind of the same risks. So um, I don't know. I, it's not a bad fit for the Mavs. If I were a Mavs fan, I would be a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, that This is another summer where like there are a lot of free agents out there and suddenly we're choosing between Patrick Beverly and Malcolm Brogdon and a couple other kind of so-so options, I will say that I, if I were a Mass fan, I would rather do this than give $112 million to Al Horford, which has also been rumored.
1: Yeah, I might go a little bit the other way on the idea of the Mavs fans' reaction because I've been reading a lot of these. I did my top 30 free agents list this week. Mm -hmm. And when I was reading other people's, you know, uh, views of this summer's crops, I thought the one guy who was consistently underrated by everybody was Porzingis, right? And so I think their big move of the year was obviously that Porzingis trade. I mean, to me, when you're looking at the fact that he's going to be healthy starting day one, uh, you know, coming into this season. His ceiling is absolutely all-star level player on both sides of the basketball. He's still only 23. I'm pretty intrigued, and I like his fit with Luka. Um, I like him as a building block uh, you know, for a franchise-level guy. I wouldn't hesitate at all to pay him the max, uh, despite you know, the, the ACL injury and some of the off-court stuff, which seems to follow him in kind of uh, unfortunate ways. Um, to me, he was just being underrated. Like he should be viewed as one of the very top tier level guys in this class, not down around like number 10, where a lot of people had him. I mean, to me, he's right up there in like the top four guys of this summer.
0: There's no question about that, but I just think that this is kind of a window they have here before they have to give a bunch of money to Porzingis at the end of this summer where they could actually spend in free agency and to only come back with Patrick Beverly or some Patrick Beverly adjacent free agent is a little bit of a bummer because Porzingis and Luka are so good and should be able to be kind of a draw for people. Um, But
1: yeah, I don't know. I look at it like the Mavericks to me, They had their moment where they were sort of that cutting-edge team like 10 or 15 years ago. Like, they invented the iPod, right? And then everybody else invented MP3 players, and now they're trying to, like, kind of... Figure out you know, where are we in this uh, marketplace, and I think <laughs> that's like,
0: actually a really good analogy for what no, the Mavericks because have been through over the last fifteen years. I mean,
1: if you remember, like the owner is out in front; he's making the case. He has these crazy, incredible locker rooms that are updated and super fancy. He's investing all of this money off the court. He's you know, winding and dining dining players and in some cases, like hanging out with them at bars as he's recruiting them. Right, like Mark Cuban definitely should be viewed as a trailblazer of this entire recruiting effort. I mean, to say yeah. nothing of. Like the DeAndre Jordan situation, which he found himself in the middle of. Like, he's definitely an OG in this game, right? But there's a Mm -hmm. lot of young Marlows who have come up (laughs) over the last five years, (laughs) kind of taking his corner. And that's tough because if you're comparing Dallas to LA or in Kemba's situation, Dallas to Boston, um, there's reasons why I personally would have picked Dallas, maybe in those situations that that players might not. But it's not totally shocking that guys would go the other direction.
0: Yeah. And so the Mavericks were like iTunes and now the whole world has Spotify and everybody, everybody has moved on um, and we'll see how the Mavs respond. Either way, you're, you're right to, to circle back to what you said t- three minutes ago. Like If you told a Mavericks fan 18 months ago that they were going to have Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic as their franchise cornerstones, they would have been doing backflips, or so my friend Kirk, who has a bad back, would have been doing backflips in his living room. So, like, well, good for let's them. Not, you know? let's
1: not violate any HIPAA regulations by
0: <laughs> airing <laughs> yeah.
1: people's private medical information here. But I just would say this: like, if they had somehow signed Dabbs Porzingis as a restricted free agent and gotten him away from the Knicks at the end of this summer, and then they had traded the same picks that they had to, you know, trade. To get Porzingis in the first place, away in other deals, Uh I think people would still be viewing the Mavericks as a big-time winner from this summer because they got one of the top five free agents to come to them, right? So I think it's a little bit distorting to say, oh, you know, they're going to have this bummer of a summer when they are landing a legit franchise-level player, you know, before he's going to hit his prime, and still be able to add some other secondary or tertiary pieces along the way. Now, could it have been bigger? Could it have been better? Yeah, Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. But we could say that about a lot of different teams. And I think that people have just forgotten about Porzingis, and it's a natural thing to have happen because he hasn't played in like eighteen months, and because all of the headlines around him, you know, are related to off-court incidents, which you know, really are, you know, in some cases kind of disgusting. I think people have forgotten what he can do on the basketball court, and I can completely envision a scenario where we're in the first couple of weeks of the season, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, it's time to fall back in love with Porzingis," mm-hmm. you know, hailing you know Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban's amazing ability to go grab them and how they fleece the Knicks and all that. I can see that storyline starting up no doubt about it in October, but I don't see a lot of that chatter happening right now.
0: Yeah, and and I was actually talking to my friend Kirk earlier this uh, earlier today and he said, "You know what? Whoever we sign, it's all better than Harrison Barnes," which is a good glass half full way for the Mavericks to look at this summer's cap space. And um couple questions at the end here. David said, hey, guys, even though it doesn't matter now that the quote-unquote beef is over, I feel like the record should state that Marvin Bagley released his first diss track before Damian Lillard ever released his. And Ben, I really, I owe Damian Lillard an apology here. This is why it's difficult to... I don't know, I, I was following the diss track beef uh, like at 7.30 in the morning in JFK Airport waiting in the in the little waiting area outside JetBlue because a flight was delayed. And I read the dates wrong. I should have just gone to a blog post that could have laid it all out for me, but I was trying to listen to the songs. So I apologize because I really thought that Damian Lillard just like heard something on first take and secretly started like brewing up these two tracks. And that was like real weirdo behavior on his part. Um, it makes a lot more sense now that he was released, He was responding to a Marvin Bagley track. Uh, I still think it's a little bit overkill to release two diss tracks in the face of that. But um, I understand where Lillard was coming from on that one.
1: Yeah, I don't get what Marvin Bagley was doing if he's the one firing the first shot. I mean, come on, man! Yeah. Like then it really does become almost like a viral stunt. Like let's get everybody to remember that Marvin Bagley's still in the NBA. It's like that Charmin at <laughs> it's like that Charmin advertised tweets that Blake Griffin was involved with this week. You
0: know? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah that like, I don't even really want to acknowledge that. That was a, a really depressing moment for everyone involved and everyone who had to endure that on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope the checks were big. That's what I'm saying. And, and maybe Steve Ballmer's behind all of it. He's got some Charmin interest. I don't know. But.
0: <laughs> it could be. It could be. Well, shout out, Dave. I still like Marvin Bagley's track a little bit better, but um, keeping with the hip-hop theme, my friend Jack wrote to us and said, not sure if any other Open Floor Globe members have written in about this yet. But the new Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib album, Bandana, has a track on it called Giannis, and it is awesome. The album isn't out until Friday, but they released this track last week or something. And from what I can tell, it has very little to do with Giannis, except for the line, Real G's move in silence like Giannis, my Greek freak, we did a menage with a friend in St. Thomas, which honestly sounds like a weird situation, but I imagine Gibbs is speaking figuratively. It also might be a reference to Lil Wayne's Real G's Move in Silence like Lasagna, one of the best, worst rap lines of all time. And then he continues and says, Anyways, I feel like this is all my interests are collid all my interests are colliding here. I'm incredibly excited for the album too. A real gift for rap fans of a certain age. Ben, have you heard the Giannis diss track or the the Giannis Freddie Gibbs track? Because a couple people have emailed us about it.
1: Never heard of Freddie Gibbs, um, unfortunately. I think that's a great line, though. I don't know why you said Lil Wayne's line was one of the best worst lines. That was just one of the
0: best lines. <laughs> well, it's super corny, but I re- it really it gets me every time. And uh, Freddie Gibbs. I need to get into Freddie Gibbs. I I was at a party with him like five years ago in LA. Wow. Big Uh, shot. Okay. Yeah. Did not really talk to him, but a number of people have recommended him to me over the years. And I think he's, he's kind of like old guy rap people who aren't cool enough to listen to the rap that's released today, but he seems to be in that like push a T category of rap that people in their thirties like, so yeah, um, when I was
1: walking around uh, Milwaukee during the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, his CDs were everywhere. I mean, he's just blowing up. It was, no, I mean, I've never <laughs> heard of this guy.
0: Well, listen, all that matters is this Giannis song is going to be our gateway to Freddie Gibbs. I will report back. Um, I'm going to
1: wait for the officially authorized Giannis songs. This one seems like he's just trying to kind of get in on the MVP momentum. I understand (laughs) that. If he can get Giannis in the music video and preferably all of Giannis's brothers in the music video as well, like all the Ardena Kumbros or whatever they call themselves, then I will listen and co-sign. But until that moment... I feel like he's just trying to, you know, latch on to Giannis' soaring stock. And frankly, that's our job, you know? I mean, we've already got Giannis. Inc.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've done our work. Uh, we've done our best to kind of draft off of Giannis as he as he goes straight to the top. Yeah, do they actually call themselves the Cumbros?
1: Yeah, man. They got their own Instagram account. You're pretty late. You got to wow. stop looking at all this fake news, this crazy, you know, conspiracy <laughs> theories. Pull your head out of that sand hole and, and look at some of his other stuff.
0: Listen, man, I just do whatever Steve Ballmer pays me to do. That's why I'm here. And with that, let's kick it forward to free agency, Ben. We will be back, I believe on Monday, reacting to the first 12 to 24 hours of free agency. And um, God knows what the NBA will look like like a week from now. So I'm excited to see where it all, where it all lands.
1: Should we announce that we're doing an extra episode next week to keep up with all the madness? It's three episodes next week, right? Yeah. Okay, so everybody, check back. Look at your feeds. We're going to be bringing lots and lots of goodness to you. Do you, um,
0: do you like how exhausted I sounded when I said yeah? <laughs> like, I guess yeah, we'll you do sound three like you're episodes. checking your your
1: <laughs> your direct deposits or something. I don't know what's going on over there, but exactly. Uh, Cue up the Yana song. Get your second wind, and we're going to be back for three episodes next week to go through all of the free agency happenings. I can't wait. Check us out on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. Find our page, scroll down. It will say Rate and Review. Tap five stars. It's just that easy. We we've, we've used some of Balmer's money to hire thousands of bots to give us positive reviews. It's worked out great for us. <laughs> Help us continue spreading the word. Andrew, we're also on the radio.com slash open floor i'm on instagram at ben.goliver all the free agency analysis will be going up on my instagram story so check that out uh, if you get the chance hey andrew until next week i will talk to you
0: all right man take it easy